one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, welcome back to the Hey Bus Driver podcast uh, for another episode. Today, we're going to be talking to a bunch of cool, really cool people that I've been able to familiarize myself with in the industry and uh, talk a little bit about propane auto gas and how it works with the school bus. So I am joined by uh, Adam Wilkham with Roush Cleantech and Derek, is it Whaley or Wally? Whaley, Whaley with a Y, Whaley. Whaley. And also with uh, Roush and then Eric Kissel here in the Valley, one of the directors here in a local school district. So welcome to you guys and I appreciate you taking time out of your very busy afternoons to join the show. How's everybody doing on this uh, pretty interesting week, huh? Trying to leave politics out of it, but, uh, you know, I think everybody's going on? Uh, strung out and stressed out. Yeah, you live under a rock there's or what? There's an election? What? You know what, though, Jason? I thought Jason, that was like I mean, two, three days ago. I yeah. thought it was over. Yeah. No? You know, I I, I don't I'll – say, I'll say two things. One, I think – for 2020, it's about par for the course, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then two, I, I got a really funny meme that uh, someone sent me. I didn't get it until today when I woke up. It said, I heard that uh, if uh, an election lasts this long, you should reach out to your doctor. <laughs> and uh, you might have to edit that out. No, but no, uh, no. I, just, I, I thought, I thought, I didn't, I guess it took me a full six hours and a good night's sleep. And then I laughed this morning. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh it's been very interesting obviously i think like you said right on par with 2020 uh I, you know fortunately for us i think we're what eight nine weeks away from putting this whole year behind us and uh hopefully looking into something new so um like i said appreciate you guys being here i appreciate everybody stopping in uh today we are going to talk about propane um maybe a little bit about just the industry as a whole how how alternative fuels have come and you know over the years and and what options are out there for school buses and people that are interested but to start i do have one icebreaker question that i'm going to start off with eric i'm going to put him on the spot uh what is something that people are obsessed with but you just don't get the point of oh gosh i podcasts okay you know? perfect yeah <laughs> i've never been a guy i've never done it my son is so proud i'm doing a podcast yeah and I, I i haven't caught the bug yet but i am so proud of you jason i think it's, yeah. Thank it's you. really cool yeah it's uh it's definitely interesting i grew up um my dad listened to talk radio like religiously still does right and i yeah. just like Ugh. and as i get older and older i feel like man i'm just putting the music away and i just want to listen to more people talk so i don't know what that's about <laughs> but <laughs> so adam i'll ask you the same thing people was something that people are obsessed with but you just don't get the point of uh diet coke diet coke <laughs> too sweet right my- 
<laughs> my mom grew up i mean the the woman still probably drinks a six pack a day of diet coke and i'm like i just don't get it man but people who like it they freaking love it right. so yeah to each their own though i'm not sure. gonna judge you know sure. just not for me and Derek, <laughs> i gotta go with uh crossfit okay and, uh, <laughs> yeah it doesn't seem like I, I a mean, very healthy way to like they say that it's not good for your joints and your muscles like i just I don't know. I, I feel like I'm a pretty open-minded guy. Um, and, and I do, I, I like to think I do a little bit of, and I just, like I said, that, that was the first thing. It really didn't come down to all that, that healthy. And, uh, most, not all, but most of the people that I saw that dove into the pool, um, were, were affected coming out the other side. It was, uh, it's different. Yeah. That was one of the things CrossFit. Well, I'm going to hit this. This this is coming from the best fit guy on this panel. I can see <laughs> this at home, but the best fit guy on the panel doesn't get CrossFit. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I I I do not have. I'll check my ego and my man card at the door. I do have my my father in law bought me and my wife, mainly my my wife, as a gift uh, a Peloton, and I laughed, but now I'm obsessed. So. Adam and I's boss, um, you know, is, is shames me daily about getting on it. And for example, I said, you know, Ryan, you got to get one of these Pelotons. He goes, you know, I tried ordering it. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. But then I put in my gender and they sent me this, uh, you know, Bowflex, like, you know, weightlifting thing instead. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> so I'm going to hit the social media people and say, I don't get TikTok. I just don't understand. Oh. I don't understand what the purpose of is, you know, and just what what the obsession is. I just don't get it. I refuse to yep. get it. I already struggle with <laughs> the other social media platforms as it is, but uh, obviously we have a few pages here for the the show. But uh, yeah, so it is. Uh, it's you know just interesting. I, I don't get it, Jason. I'm 100 percent behind that. <laughs> no, I do not. I had no idea. No idea. Here's the problem. We're we're all too old. Is that it? Like after <laughs> thirty? Yeah, young, but I know. Like I know, young man's game. <laughs> I know people in their sixties that have it, and I just like I don't wow. get it. I don't, I don't get it. Don't yeah. get it. So it is what it is, right? But anyways, the point of the the whole show today, talking about uh, propane, just you know, all the different powertrain options and stuff that's come out there. But before we get to it, Adam, talk to, talk to me a little bit. I met you, I think, what nine years ago, something like that, um, down here, sales guy in the valley. Uh, you're selling school buses, and now you're at Roush. You've been uh, part of Cummins. You've been kind of in and out of a bunch of different things. So, how yep. did you find school buses? How did you get into it? And and you know, kind of how a little bit of history about what you're doing now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just like a lot of people in transportation, I kind of found my way here through indirect means, um, especially student transportation. You know, I went to school to be an IT guy, and uh, that's how I moved to, ended up moving to Arizona. And uh, my dad was actually uh, running the service department at the bus dealership and uh, got me a job there working in the warehouse. And I just, uh, I never left. I worked there for 15 years. So I uh, kind of swept the floors, sold parts, um, you know, sold buses, kind of kind of did a lot of different jobs within the dealership. But then uh, after 15 years there, made the jump to Cummins. Um, I worked for Cummins in Arizona and uh, the Bronx, New York. So I got to, got to support the bus business for Cummins in the New York City area, which was um, compared to Phoenix, Arizona, I, couldn't, I don't, can't think of a different, uh, different location. Had culture shock for a few years there. But yeah, I'm happy to be at Roush. I think, uh, you know, I've seen the 
I've kind of had a wide spectrum and a wide experience with uh, with all facets of uh, you know the dealer side of student transportation. And um, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of choices these days. So it's it's uh, it's been a wild ride for sure. Right on, Derek. How'd you get into school bus industry? Yeah, no. So uh, with me, I mean, it's, uh, you know, better to be lucky than good. Uh, right place, right time. It's not what you know, who you know. That I mean, I'm about the luckiest guy in the world. So I went to college, bounced around a little bit, played baseball. That was my meal ticket. I tried to limit the amount of debt that I left college with. Um, and once I realized I wasn't going to play uh, much, much farther past uh, you know, college, I, uh, I started, you know, really just sending out letters, uh, begging for internships um, outside of just grabbing coffee and paper. And, you know, I, I, I found this uh, gentleman who was into alternative fuels, uh, compressed natural gas and, and propane auto gas was just starting to become cool and, and popular. And uh, so I interned with a company out in California. They offered me a, a job. I leveraged that uh, to get a job closer to this smoking hot woman that now is my wife and mother of two. And, uh, in Atlanta, where uh, where we lived, and uh, so I, I got on real early, right out of college, was uh, working for an energy company, setting up refueling stations uh, for propane auto gas, and that is where I rubbed shoulders um, with a representative from Roush. Her name's Chelsea Jenkins. She's now our VP of Government Affairs, and uh, I mean, you know, Roush has got a name, but uh, when I saw them, it's not not too much of a leap to see that. And there's something attractive about the Roush culture, and I'm sure Adam can talk to it too. Um, but I chased her for about a year, two years, saying if there's ever an assistant to the regional manager type of job at Roush, right? I mean, I want to be that that guy, and uh, so I got it. So I've I've uh, leapt from the fueling station side of the it to the uh, the vehicle automotive technological side, and been with them for eight eight years now, going on eight years. So um, it's all I've ever known is is the green green wave. Right on. And uh, Eric, certainly last but not least. Well, I uh, honestly, I after 15 years at Shamrock Foods and uh, the greater part of that being in transportation, um, that time was kind of coming to an end as, you know, I was trying to climb the ladder there and all that. Um, I always thought it would be cool to work for a school district. Yeah, I like the idea of the retirement and all that, you know, but we had one over at Shamrock as well. But I just had this idea, and I know this sounds weird if you guys know me or barely know me, that I thought it'd be really cool to work near where I grew up and um, try to improve things, change the level of service, like do something to give, like, because I came up on the west side of Phoenix, uh, in the Maryville area, so, you know, we, we didn't have a great name and all that stuff. So, um, literally, my brother sent me an ad for the job over at my first district, um, just across the way from my, where I lived and, uh, it was in transportation and I knew I, I didn't meet all the minimums. Um, you know, I wasn't a trainer. I wasn't this, I wasn't that. Luckily they weren't looking for the same old guy. So 18 years ago, um, I got hired there as a director of transportation, had to come in. I had this really strong background with, uh, trucking, um, really strong background with efficiencies and, and, and people that worked very hard and stepped into the school business and, and I needed to get re-educated. And, uh, but my goal the entire time was just to do it better than anybody, um, to bring things to the employees that they never were offered, you know, with technology, whatever was out there and learn it. And I was just very fortunate um, that I got hired into the industry, honestly, because I, I didn't run the same path most people did. 
and I ran into a superintendent that wanted something different. And so uh, he got something different. And, um, you know, uh, did that for 10 and a half years, got recruited down here to Levine, where I'm currently at, um, and uh, have been doing it now. Like I said, this is my 18th year in the business. And uh, I don't know. There's a – Jason, I think you could say it. I don't know what to call it, but there's just some sort of sense of service when you work in this business um, where if, if our job is done really well, you know, kids and their, their families and the community is affected where, you know, what I was doing before, we just made more money. And money's cool. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to make more money. Um, but there was this really cool sense of service in this. So I don't know. I, I caught the bug and um, met a lot of neat people that, that kind of had the same feeling. I met a lot of people who didn't, who just wanted to do the job. And I was like, I, I, I want to do it differently. I want to come in and shake this thing up a little bit and, um, you know, try to do it with a little bit of a business aspect to it. You know, sure. not just, you know, not just, well, this is a cool job for me but I want to make it a cool job for everybody that works for me, you know, or comes in contact type of thing. And I know that's a big vision, but I mean, I still got one. I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of friends, but <laughs> I mean, I, I dig it. I'm happy. I'm doing all sure. right. No, no I, I'll agree to that. I, you know, we, I was just having a conversation with one of my employees today about it. Like, you know, I didn't get into this business to, to get rich. I know I'm not going to make millions of dollars or anything like that, but just the, we're doing what we, you know, we're getting kids in education. And even though we're not working directly in the school, we're getting those kids to where they need to go. And, you know, the the whole idea of the business mentality that most districts or most operations don't look at, right? They just think the dollar's there, it's coming, or they know what they have to operate within. And so they feel those limitations. They're not ever willing to go and push the envelope or ask for more or try and figure out what that looks like. And so, um, you know, we just, why not? You know, and I, I think it's great that your superintendent at the original district gave you that opportunity because it's so many times it's like, we just look from within and we just take, and there's nothing wrong with promoting from within, but it seems like this industry needs so much more from these people to just, you know, just kind of wander into it without any experience whatsoever, but have so much bigger aspirations and this idea of business mentality, right? That they can bring to, let's run more efficient, let's run safer, let's run and let's look at different things, KPIs, like we were talking about a little bit you know, earlier, we haven't even got to in the show, but um, just how do we perform and how can we get better and how can we offer a quality, safe product to our community and feel good about it? We haven't lost any kids. We don't have any accidents. We don't, you know, whatever. We go through all that stuff. And, and I think it just gets taken for granted. And, you know, people just think, well, I'm just a bus driver. I don't do anything. Well, throw that shit out the window because, you know, you're, you're so much more than that. Right. So, um, I think people just need to, you know, kind of come to, come to terms with it, I guess. There's so few jobs that have this level of exposure. I mean, that's one of the ways I like to put it. You know, there's nothing that a person wouldn't kill for first, more than their family, certainly their children, right? And so when we talk about safety, yeah, we wanted to be safe Where I, when I was in the private world. We wanted to be safe because it cost us money. We wanted to be safe because it, it hurt our reputation, you know. I mean, right down to our label that that you know, pint or that half gallon of milk on the shelf. In this industry, you know, you're carrying around things that people really care about. 
Um, and they, and it, 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 it's tough when you don't do it well, it, it's emotional. But I, I mean, I think if you come into this and you're blind to that, you know, um, yeah, you're in the wrong industry because us being safe, it, it has to be. That's that's the first thing. You know, we have to be safe, um, not just driving the bus, but, you know, in our care of children and our, our consciousness. And, and so what I thought was a cool opportunity just to kind of build off that, Jason, was so there is this this kind of limited number of dollars. Right. So um, those many schools go out and they shop by price. I've never been that guy. You know, it's, it's shopping value. Um, looking at your long-term expenses, looking at what that bus in this case, like we're talking today, is going to cost you over time. Looking at what that gallon of gas costs, you know, or, or diesel or, or propane, whatever you're doing. And those are the type of things that I think we're kind of overlooked because if I, if I can do that smart, if I can save there, I can reinvest that, whether it's in training, bodies, support for those bodies, other programs, I mean, and and this is one of those no-brainers to me, and I know we haven't even began to start, but <laughs> the excitement to me was is when I can do something that saves money that has such a little impact on the end user, right? Because normally, what do we do in schools? Well, we got to save money. We got to make cuts. We get rid of bodies. Yeah. Well, you got to cut two people. You got to cut two. Somebody did that math over in the ivory tower. Said, well, you got to cut two bodies because I I need X amount of dollars next year. Well, I always looked at it like if I could do business smart, if I could purchase smart, um, and that doesn't always mean the cheapest cost up front, but what it's going to cost me each and every day in my M&O, right? Spend capital dollars, and then how's it going to affect my M&O? You know, looking at warranties, looking at uh, the cost of my fuel going forward, looking at cost of repair, uh, cost of service and upkeep. And if I could lower that money and make more money, lower that cost and make more money available, Maybe I could put a little nicer uniform on them, uh, provide more for them, uh, get another trainer, um, you know, all those other things. Yeah, I mean, it it literally, I know good business doesn't always make the most sense in this world we live in, but good business to me is the only way to do this. I mean, take it more serious because it's not even, you're spending taxpayer dollars, you know, you're spending dollars that there's people in their homes that they don't even have kids using your service anymore that are paying for it. Right. So you should take it more serious than anybody, <laughs> in my opinion. Right. You know, so I love that. I was talking to Jason before we started, and this guy, this is one of the most brilliant minds in our business, in my opinion. I love being around him. I mean, the way he's in our industry is amazing. Um, real shining light, you know, the stuff he recognizes about I, I, I've honestly, I was like, how could I afford to bring that guy? I want to work with him. Sometime, you know? no, I'll be working for him. I know that at some point I'll be working for him. Please, any, Jason, any, can I have a yeah, job? Anytime. So, and I appreciate it. Like I said, it's, you know, it's just that idea of pushing the envelope, right? Just don't accept, well, that's the way we've always done it. That is such a garbage response for anything in school business to hear and just in general any business right that's how we've always done it and i think that the more and more technology comes out and becomes available you know we we were one of the one of the few districts here in the valley that pushed over to propane and you know adam can probably talk a little bit about that even though that the transition had kind of already been made but uh i just want to kind of pivot just a little bit and just talk about like as far as I mean, 
I've only been in this industry about 10 years. I think it sounds like the rest of us have kind of been in as far as school buses go about 20 or less. How much has the school bus, just the powertrain developed, right? With the, the, um, implementation of all the EPA regulations that came in back, was it 2012, um, you know, that came in? I think that was, is that, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam. Um, well, it, it really uh, it really started in 1998, um, you know, when they started adding electronics to these diesel engines. I mean, prior to that, um, a diesel engine was a mechanically controlled uh, machine. You know, it, it's powered by compression. You inject diesel fuel into the cylinder, the piston compresses it, and that's how you get your power. There's no spark. There, it's very, very simple. Um, now, and that's why they really took off and, and the, the safety aspect of diesel fuel as well. That's, that's why diesel really took off in the school bus industry, you know, in the nineties and the two thousands. But after 98, you had this, you know, stair step of emissions regulations that really just added an incredible amount of complexity to these school buses. And I think the industry did the best they could, right? We embraced these changes the best we could operationally, but it happened so fast. I mean, when you look at so you go from a purely mechanical engine, a really n- not a whole lot of training needed to work on it, to 2004, you add EGR, okay? A, 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 just a massive level of complexity in itself. 2007, you add diesel particulate filters. 2010, you add diesel exhaust fluid in the SCR system. 2013, you add OBD2 capability, which is, affects electronics on the bus. So if you're you know, uh, a, a head technician at a school district or a fleet manager, I mean, you can't even catch your breath, you know? I mean, these are massive technological changes that are happening to your vehicles that you rely on every day. And and they're just one after another after another. So we've kind of hit a, a little bit of a, 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 a coasting period here since 2013. There hasn't been a lot of major changes um, from an emissions regulation standpoint, but this this all goes back to all these changes are, are made to, you know, improve health in our communities, right? They're not just um, we're not just saying, hey, th- we're going to do this because we think it's a good idea. I mean, there have been a lot of studies done about how diesel emissions particularly, I mean, not even going down the path of global warming and climate change, and it affects human health in a, in a very negative way. I mean, there's been tons of studies done about childhood asthma, particulate matter from school buses. I mean, so the changes needed to happen. They're, they were good changes. But at the same time, they really put a major strain on school district fleets. Well, and I would um, I assume just not just from the strain of keeping up with the technology, but that has to be an added cost to buses being exponentially more expensive than what they were pre-1998, right? And so now yeah. we're talking about trying to find dollars and save money and do stuff because nobody likes to cut anybody, and I think we're fortunate enough that we can just kind of absorb those positions through attrition. But when you're talking about providing the same level of service and the same level of routes and everything that you want to do without any hiccups and you're doing it two men short, that's a, that's a problem. So if you can find it somewhere else, potentially there's an opportunity to do so. And that's really what drove me to Roush. I mean, after I, I was, you know, I had a nice comfy gig at the dealership there in Phoenix and I, I really loved my job. I loved what I did. I loved working with the people in this industry, but, you know, I wanted to do something. But when you go to work for Cummins, and I mean, Cummins has achieved uh, a really uh, a, a technological masterpiece with how they have these engines working nowadays. But the school bus duty cycle is the toughest duty cycle a diesel engine operates in besides probably a trash truck. I mean, it's very low speed, very high idle. Um, you know, it, it just, these emission systems nowadays are made to, are made to, uh, you know, run down the road at 65 miles an hour and get very hot. 
So it's, um, it's, it's really tough. And, and there's just, you know, it, it leads me back to, to why I, I kind of found Roush and why a lot of us at Roush Clean Tech kind of found our way here is there's just a better way to do it. You know, I mean, tech, technology changes over the years and it's just not technology with diesel. Um, you know, school districts nowadays, you, you guys have more choices for powertrains now than you ever have before. I mean, it's really, uh, you have a whole menu of things to choose from. And there was a time back when I was selling buses that you could get whatever engine you wanted, as long as it was red and you put diesel fuel in it, yeah. you know, it was, <laughs> well, and I think since then, haven't, haven't there been some manufacturers that have got out of the, at the school bus business at least. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. A lot of them have, and, and we're coming, you know, some of them are coming back like Caterpillar will probably, well, I shouldn't say never, but. Caterpillar's out, right? Cummins mm -hmm. has been the steady the whole time. Detroit Diesel is now back. Um, but I think what a lot of people don't realize that, and this is very new, I mean, in August of this year, um, the California Air Resource Board, which controls a lot of the emission certifications in the U.S., they passed new regulations. So in 2024, the emissions coming out of the tailpipe of a diesel bus is going to be 75% less than it is now. And that's by law. That's already passed. So 2024 the emissions NOx emissions is got to be 75% less than it is now. And in 2027, it's got to be 90% less than it is now. So the complexity with diesel engines, I mean, and if you know anything about the mechanical side of it, I know both of you guys do, but they're talking about adding, you know, diesel exhaust fluid to the turbo of the engine and adding a second SCR catalyst. I mean, you're talking about more costs, more complexity, you know, more operational headaches. It's just, it, so we're not done. I mean, that's kind of what I'm trying to stress. This complexity with these powertrains is just going to keep getting worse. Hmm. It is uh, sounds like a, a big headache, quite honestly. And eighty <laughs> you know. percent of the buses sold in the U.S. last year had diesel engines in them. So, for our industry, I mean, uh, some so I think folks need to really take a hard look at what they're doing. You know, things and and adopt the kind of mindset like like Eric. You know, you're such an inspiration. I mean, you've had this same outlook since I've known you. I, I don't know. We probably met around ten years ago too. But just looking at things through this lens of how can I do it better instead of just trying to do it how we've always done it. Yeah. You know, we Derek and I meet with so many fleets all over the country, and it's just, well, I don't want to rock the boat. You know, we've always done it this way. I don't, you know, it, everybody's comfortable with the way we're doing it. And it's like, well, how can you ever improve with that kind of mentality, right? I mean, the, the status quo, you know, sometimes it, it's good to change things up a little bit. Right. So you know, well, I can honestly say even today, you know, like, uh, and, and Jason, I, I, I don't know what you're buying, but it's going to have a Cummins engine in it. So, because um, everybody does now, you know, right now, the, the number one downtime for my bus is it's not AC anymore. It's not anything. It's the emissions. It's literally in that, that DPF, that SCR system, right? I mean, that's, that's my number one point of downtime, um, it, whether it's the sending unit, you know, whether, I, I mean, it's been a, a source of frustration. I get the secondary fluid cost and all that, and that, of course, goes into your consideration, but I mean, that's not so bad. I mean, I found a way to buy it pretty cheap um, in bulk and, and it's, you know, it's not hurting me like it did when I first started. Um, you know, it's, it's still, you got to drive by and keep that full and all that. But I mean, literally those systems, not the engine, not, not AC, not, I, I mean, are literally what my bus down first, you know, <laughs> nearly before anything else. Yeah. Um, and more often. Uh, it, yeah. You know, that's got to be across the board. I mean, it's not just my guys. I mean, it's it's the engine, right? I mean, 
and everybody's got the same engine right now. Well, I mean, for the most part, about sure. I, whatever. I don't know what that number is. Ninety something percent. Yeah, yeah I mean, I see we see a lot of people that will go and say, "Well, I've, I've got an excellent warranty, right? They get I've got a ten year warranty on this thing." Well, what's the number one metric you track, right? Is downtime? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if a bus is sitting in a shop getting fixed under warranty, does it do you any good? I mean, yeah, you don't have to pay for it, but it's still not taking the kids to school that yeah, day. Right. Yeah. Derek, you had something to add? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I did. I was just listening to it. I mean, I think Adam answered it perfectly. And, and Eric, hearing your description of just how you have your outlook on the job, it, it might have been one of the most refreshing and encouraging things I've ever heard. Um, because I, and, I, and I, I love to think that the you know 1500 plus school districts that, that we have now have that type of mentality. And I love the fact that we attract that type of outlook. Um, the outlook of uh, one of my favorite quotes, which is, you know, the goal is not to be successful. The goal is to be valuable. Once you're valuable, instead of chasing success, it will attract itself to you. And uh, I just, 30 seconds into that, I, you'll never be someone who needs a job. <laughs> needs to look for a job. I mean, that that's having an, and taking that responsible outlook, especially with taxpayer dollars is, uh, it's quite, quite refreshing. It's, it's encouraging to hear, but you know, Adam and I have a very unique role where we get to go across states and even into Canada um, as well and talk to people like yourselves. And, and for me, it hit home uh, where our product is, is not only something that should be looked at, but really, really considered and even needed because a school district in Ohio, when Adam and I went and talked to one, they had a couple of buses that looked relatively new and they were um, that had some grass growing around them. And I made a comment about them and I won't say which brand and which engine, uh, but they're relatively new. And she was saying, Oh yeah, they are new and they are under, uh, they just got out of warranty. They're, they're just out of the five-year warranty, but we don't have the money to be able to afford to replace the parts to put them back on the road. So they're stuck in this point and she said, even under warranty, the uptime, she goes, it gave me a lot of anxiety um, with uh, with buses being down, even though they're under warranty. I mean, we don't have a lot of spares because we don't have a lot of money. We're not that kind of district. And um, long story short, they were able to, with with the help of you know Adam and our government affairs, you know, navigate some grant funding so they could get you know propane. And now you know they're saving money. Now it's a net. Now at the school board meeting. You know, they have at the end of the year, the fuel supplier comes with a check that says, hey, you know, you used X amount of gallons this year. So that means you get 36 cents back per gallon. And so it's just it's incredible to see these these stories. And uh, I really feel like a solution like ours is needed now. Sure. So, Derek, I'll ask you most a lot of people like are familiar with Roush. I think they probably more attribute it to Ford and the you know the racing the mustang the whole you know the whole outlook of of that but they don't they don't realize how it supports this so so for those that don't even know who roush is can you can you share a little bit about who roush is and what roush cleantech does sure yeah i'll I'll do a quick uh, quick overview so jack roush founder owner uh give you a real high level started in his late teens in uh, a garage just the arguably one of the most brilliant automotive and mechanical engineered minds um, of, of his time. Uh, and he's got every hall of fame award to uh, that has wheels and can move uh, to, to kind of back that up. Uh, developed engines, uh, had a buddy race them. very frugal guy. You should see that today. I mean, he's doesn't come in an Apache helicopter at the race with a red carpet. The guy rolls in in the same pants and hat and, you know, uh, button down shirt and a crown Vic. I mean, he's a very down to earth guy and, 
he leveraged his engineering capabilities um, and brought in some business minds uh, to really leverage the core is the word we use at Roush a lot to really get into a lot of different spaces. So Roush today from a garage where Jack started uh, to fast forward to today, we're still privately held um, 4,000 employees, about 70 locations across the world. Um, you know, you talk about Europe, Africa, South Korea, uh, South America, United States, of course, Canada, uh, most of our, our facilities are in Livonia, um, but having the capability to work in aerospace, uh, oil and natural gas industries, every single OEM, it, wasn't, it used to be just Ford, uh, but now we work with everyone. Uh, you talk about e-mobility, cars that drive themselves, agricultural off-road equipment that you know is working on farmlands on the West Coast, uh, pods that deliver groceries now during the pandemic that drive themselves, and you know even building the Millennium Falcon for Disney uh, and some of their, you know, rides that they do. So it's incredible to see. And, and me being going on my eighth year with Roush, um, the tours is something that we leverage hard, especially with the school bus industry, um, because and, and tying it back into what we do at Clean Tech. When we look at, at someone like, you know, Jason, Eric, yourself, we no brainer. I love hearing it from from you all, but we try to be very sensitive to the fact because a transportation director very early on in my years when I was a young pup, just kind of running and gunning. He said, you know, Derek, as a transportation director, you're asking me to change a lot. You're asking me to change away from a fuel that I've always known and been comfortable with for the past 20 years. You're asking me to change away from an engine and transmission that I've come to know and love over the past 10, 20 years. Um, and now you're asking me to change a body manufacturer in some cases, but an OEM, um, you know, so no, no brainer, like, cause I would say that all the time. So we try to be sensitive to that. So what we try to do at Roush is bring them to Roush to see the culture. So no longer is an alternative fuel or anything non-diesel accepted. Now it's who are you going to partner with? So at Roush, we love having people come in and non-2020 year, um, show them everything we do. Take them in a, you know, Polaris Dagger, a joint project we did with Polaris. It's an ultra light duty combat vehicle that they're taking overseas that has a four-cylinder turbo diesel that can handle these incredible, um, uh, with a suspension kit, incredible terrain, right? Um, take them to our aerospace, take them to aviation, take them to Roush Performance to kind of get them a, a feel to see all the different aspects that, that Roush is involved in. And for someone like Adam and myself, it it really is quite exciting to see the same engineering minds that, you know, take rockets and satellites into space is helping take over a million kids to school every day. Right on. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it's how we got started with, uh, with, with propane autogas was, you know, the propane education research council came to Roush because of all the, you know, all the great work that Derek just described that we've done on the engineering front. I mean, really just world-class engineering firm. They came and said, you know, we want a propane fuel system that works better than anything that's out there right now. I mean, somebody, you know, if anybody listened to this podcast has been in the school bus industry since the 80s, um, you know, propane's been tried before in, in school buses and it didn't work very well. You know, it, it was it had a terrible reputation as being unreliable. And so we developed this this great fuel system and we partnered with uh, with Bluebird in 2012 and um, that's how we kind of got off the ground. You know, it was a spinoff um, leveraging our engineering uh, capabilities. So and it's, it's been it's been a crazy ride. I mean, I, we, I was just talking with some folks the other day. I mean, I don't know of an alternative fuel that's been adopted this fast in any industry, let alone, you know, not just outside of transportation, trucking. I mean, we've put 37,000 propane powered vehicles on the road since 2012. I mean, it's been a, 
you know, it, it's really been it's been a, a, a kind of a revolution, especially in the school bus industry. I don't think anything has happened this fast. So I think that the, um, the, the, the big question, I mean, at least when I came in or when it was first really kind of becoming prevalent on a school bus again and, and acceptable to have on a school bus, one of the big arguments it's explosive. I don't. I don't want a bomb on my bus, you know. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, you, I'm sure you guys have heard the same thing. You probably go into to to talk to a director, and they don't want. They don't even want to broach the subject, right? So, I mean, yeah. Obviously, talk to the safety factor of how safe it truly is to have on a school bus. So I can. I can. I'll tee this up for you, Adam. Prior to Roush, I worked for a company uh, that set up fueling stations and. I loved Roush so much because it was an OEM solution that had the service and support backed by Ford Motor Company and the thousands of engineers that we have at Roush, which was something that was missing in the propane autogas world. A lot of aftermarket kits. And, you know, part of that, because I was in to sell the gallons, sell, you know, put the fueling stations up, we would look at putting aftermarket systems on. And we did. We put them on about 2,000 uh, law enforcement vehicles in the southeast uh, over a couple of years. And one of the things that law enforcement has to worry about that school buses don't is getting shot at. Um, so for a lot of these sheriff and law enforcement vehicles, that was their biggest question and concern too. So what we did was we put uh, the same you know, propane autogas tanks, uh, the, uh, the durability, the thickness, um, the safety specs that are involved in the school bus. We put them in the back of a Crown Vic, Dodge Charger, you know, all the different vehicles a bullseye on the back of it and had every single caliber um, out there shooting at it simultaneously, nine millimeters, 45, uh, 380s, 357s, all of them bounced off right there, direct line of sight, open trunk, everything. It took a 223 with an armor piercing round from an AR-15 to be able to penetrate it. And once we penetrated it, it just didn't even explode. So what we did, um, and it's all on YouTube, by the way, you can, you can Google it, Force 911 propane autogas tank shooting. Um, so what we did is we waited, you know, about 45 minutes for science to happen. The fuel to air ratio, propane falls. It's not like compressed natural gas doesn't rise. You know, it falls. So we let the tank completely dissipate, fall to the ground, and then they uh, put a tracer incinerary round in, uh, in the magazine and fired it again. And it was an exaggerated flash that we see at our grill. So what happens when our, our grill goes out with that cheap igniter and we forget to turn off the gas, we come back and we do a match. You don't see it go back into the rubber tube and into the tank and then explode, right? You don't see that. You see a, you see a flash, you know, and maybe you lose your couple of hairs off, off your knuckles um, and that's it, right? And that's, and keep in mind, that's the safety standards for a barbecue cylinder in your backyard and fast forward to what, you know, you think we have to go through for children and transporting them in, in an automotive capacity. So uh, we do have quite a, a lot of, of, of uh, videos to show like that. But then we also have um, thanks to, you know, 2020 and cell phones. Uh, we've actually had, uh, you know, a tow company that transported um, a school bus. Uh, it was uh, the personal vehicle was behind it, hooked it up to the back, got into the propane school bus was driving it across the country. What happened was he forgot to manually disengage the switch for the transmission on his personal car because it was a manual. So the gears were just going at it. And by the time he got to Ohio, he looks in his rear view mirror and his personal vehicle is completely engulfed in flames. Pulls over, calls 911. He's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, police finally get there, or fire department and police get there about 20, 25 minutes later. Um, the entire car is engulfed. And you'll watch in the video, the fire department doesn't do anything. So you've got direct heat source under the vehicle where the tanks are and behind the vehicle completely applying that heat. 
And it wasn't until the gasoline tank on his personal vehicle exploded that the fire department then engaged and put it out. Long story short, that vehicle, who has, which has uh, pressure relief valves and uh, manual and uh, mechanical, excuse me, electronic shutoff switches, they didn't even engage. And that was after almost an hour of direct fire underneath the bus. That bus drove to the dealership away from the scene. And uh, Adam, I'll let you let you chime in now. Well, I think, you know, just just to wrap that up, I mean, I, we do get a ton of safety questions. I mean, that's the number one thing that we, if I go to a school board meeting, you know, I have school board members because their children are riding these buses. They want to know um, that, that this isn't something that's a risk, right, in their community. So I would say we probably get that question more than anything. Um, and that was one of my concerns when I was, you know, when I was looking at the, at the possibility of coming to work for Roush Clean Tech, you know, I, I had the same concerns because I just didn't know about it. Right. But it's it is just incredible the amount of crash testing that we do on these school buses. I mean, we crash a 4000 pound sled directly into these propane tanks and they can't have any amount of leaks for 30 minutes. I mean, it's uh, it's just and there's there's redundant safety systems. I mean, there's automatic shutoffs. It's just we're not, we're not like Eric said it earlier, you know, we're not transporting bread. We're not transporting milk. Um, we do <laughs> with our vehicles, but we're, we're transporting kids to school, right. In neighborhoods. Sure. So um, it, the safety thing needs to be over the top. And, uh, and it, it really is impressive. The amount, the, the length we go to make sure these things are safe. And, and just from a rubber meets the road with over a billion miles, you know, 37,000 vehicles that we've put collectively uh, on the road, uh, school buses being about 18,000, We've seen Peterbilts take these on. We've seen trucks, passenger cars. I mean, you guys know how stupid some drivers can be out there. And I don't know what shade of yellow we need to paint the bus for people to like pay attention or how many new lights, but people just somehow think they can take it on. And I mean, these things are Sherman tanks on the road. They might, you know, handle the cutest kids in the world, but the way that these are engineered um, by itself, then you add in, you know, 20 times more puncture resistant propane tanks to that mix. Yeah. I don't know if you want to take one on. So, so what are the some of the? I mean, obviously the benefits of propane. I mean, there's not only the the clean and green, you know, aspect of it. Uh, it it does seem to be a little bit less expensive than diesel fuel, or and maybe not as volatile in price as as diesel and unleaded fuel. But what are some of the other dis- benefits that you guys can talk to about why why would somebody who, like you said earlier, Derek, you know, somebody who's who's used diesel fuel for 20 years, why would they want to get away from that and, and move over to propane? Well, it just, for me personally, it really hits home. I mean, when I was working for Cummins, um, you know, I had, a, I had a lot of customers that I saw every day running, you know, New York City running, you know, over a thousand buses. And the struggles that I saw these people go through, try to keep these vehicles on the road, um, was just not a good feeling, right? It, it wasn't a good feeling to go in and know that you're you're selling somebody something or supporting something that's letting them down. So the the duty cycle simplicity of a propane or even a gasoline powered bus nowadays um, is really what I, what stands out to me. I mean, it's such a simpler uh, engine and fuel system than what you're dealing with on a diesel. You know, it's it's uh, it's a gasoline engine and it's a very simple fuel system. You don't have all the emissions controls like you do on diesels. Um, and, and that's really my, my favorite part about propane and gasoline. I mean, we have these choices available to us in student transportation now. Um, it, it's just such a, a simpler, easier way to do things um, and less expensive. I mean, that's 
that's, you know, I would say the cost savings and environmental aspect of it is probably my second favorite, but you, you know, you can get propane for about 50% of the price of gasoline and diesel fuel. You know, you can, you can get access to things like Volkswagen grants and, and, you know, federal subsidies on your per gallon price from the federal government. It's just every single year there's money available for grants for alternative fuel. You know, if you go with something like diesel or propane, or I'm sorry, diesel or gasoline, you're really limiting yourself to the amount of grant funds you can get. And, um, you know, it's, and that's, and that's not even talking about the environmental aspect of it. You know, we're, I keep going to the fact that we're transporting kids, right? I mean, if we can do something to make the air cleaner inside these buses or at the bus stop, um, you know, there's a story about a, a school district, uh, right outside Chicago, um, township high school district 211. And there was people inside the school physically getting ill because of the diesel exhaust fumes that were getting into the school through the, uh, through the air conditioning system. So that's what led them to look at propane because they needed to do something because these fumes from the buses were getting in the school and making people sick. So they bought their first round of propane buses, didn't care about the duty cycle simplicity, didn't care about the cost savings. They wanted to clean up the air around the schools. And since they did that, they now run a ton of propane buses and they haven't had a problem with it since. So just, I mean, a ton of benefits, you know, it, it, it's really got something for everybody. Oh, Derek, if you want to expand on that, but. No, I mean, that, that hit it, I, I think, and what we've seen and seen, Adam and I, our team is in a unique position to talk to someone in Boston, uh, but then so talk to somebody in rural Indiana. Um, and there's, there's a completely different buying motivations behind both of them. Boston was 100% about reducing emissions, especially in the tailpipe uh, for asthma. They, they honestly do not care what the cost was, uh, you know, on camera. And then off camera, you know, they, uh, they see, oh, we're saving $1,100 a day. And that's not including the tax credit. And wow. But I mean, so you talk to someone like that. So just listening, you know, a lot of uh, different fleets, it, it's different. There could be the superintendent that's saying, hey, we got to make a green choice. It could be the, uh, the technological or the tech mechanic department that's saying we're bombarded. We, we have only so many techs and we can't we don't have enough hands. We need something that's you know simpler to operate. Um, it could be the business manager that's saying we're, we're drowning. We're all these added costs, you know, with fuel and the, uh, the volatility of fuel going up and down and up and down. We want something that's more stable. And then I even had someone who, who was a former vet uh, as a transportation director um, that was in Pennsylvania that was saying, you know what, not only do I want to use an American made fuel, I want to use a Pennsylvania based fuel, right? So, I mean, he, he loved that. And he specifically did not use any grants um, the first year because I told him we could you know, look him up and he says, you know, I want to see if this stands on its own two feet by itself because um, you talk about a lot of sustainability environment. And I think that's great. He goes, but my responsibility is to provide a fiscal. He was a business admin um, as well. He kind of juggled hats um, to provide a fiscal sustainable you know, solution for well after I'm gone. And I don't want to cripple, you know, something with uh, that's going to cost a lot um, at, you know, Press natural gas and electric, you know, just has a high price tag. So I think there's a lot of different Boeing, uh, buying motivators that are out there. And, and thankfully, you know, Adam and I have been able to talk to, you know, drivers that'll never go back after driving a propane, you know, um, from the financial side, the transportation side, and even the school board side. Um, so there's so many stories that are out there of, of different reasons why people buy. But we thankfully have a, a solution that checks all the boxes. Well, and I think we got. Eric, who can share a little bit about um, 
So, Eric, what was your driving force to moving your fleet over to propane? I know it was your white fleet, but you want to talk a little bit about, you know, why did you go to that? And and what were some of the challenges that you went through and, and what you had to do to put that together? Sure. Well, you know, it wasn't just my white fleet. I mean, we did school buses as well. I mean, I made a... I made it into an exercise where I wanted to take it across the entire fleet. And you got to remember, this is now, if we go back, and Adam, you were nailing some dates there, so correct me if I'm wrong. But at that 2008 to 2012 period, we also saw the reduction, uh, you know, ULSD was uh, introduced, right? Um, so all of a sudden, we went, what, 500 parts per million of to 15 parts. We reduced 485 parts per million of the sulfur. of the sulfur in the fuel. So what immediately happened was that was coming. We were going to have to switch to ULSD. Um, I chose at the time, I looked outside and I found this grant to, to experiment, I guess. I, I mean, to experience, I guess is a better word. <laughs> you know, DPF technology prior to it being required. So we entered this grant and, and this is interesting because back then you had a choice between passive or active um, DPF, right? So passive was on the grant. Passive meant that, you know, you, you don't inject any, any diesel fuel onto your, what's now like a catalytic converter, your giant thing that heats up over 1200 degrees and reburns that exhaust. Um, it literally was only heated by the, the exhaust temp itself. And that's where that, that service interval, the way a bus works, really didn't work out. But, you know, I literally outfitted uh, 11, 12 buses with, with these passive TPF uh, systems um, and experienced it firsthand. Well, what that also meant is you were going to clog that filter if you didn't um, go to ULSD. So I actually trucked ULSD in. Um, from California, because uh, uh, and the grant gave me uh, about forty-eight cents a gallon to do that as well. So it cost a lot of the transport costs, you know, covered a lot of the additional costs. But what I'm saying is, is that I mean, we actually went as a district, and I was so grateful that they supported this effort. We went and experienced it before it actually came. And again, that was passive, not active, and that's a huge difference. I don't clean my filters every day now on my diesel buses. I don't clean them once a year. I don't clean them until I need to clean them. I haven't even had some of them long enough to even clean them yet. Um, but we certainly were cleaning those filters um, within about eight to 12 months. Uh, we would have to go and bake and blow those filters, um, you know, with that passive system, right? So having experienced that, I'm going, okay, here we go. I truck in ULSD. First thing it does, it blows out every Cummins lift pump, blows every seal out of them. I have to replace every Cummins lift pump in the entire fleet. Um, but I need to do that to be able to run these buses at all, or else I'm going to clog them and clean them you know, every three, four months. So uh, we went through all that, and we, we took that journey. And, I, and I, I'm really grateful we did because we learned a ton. We also got that intimidation factor out of the way. We knew that active um, DEF was going to, or DPF, DEF, SCR was going to be, um, we knew that it was going to be a lot better than the passive systems. Uh, I also had this, this, this crazy experience where I happened to be 
at one of our bus dealers. I did the t- plant tour during that time. So I asked somebody face to face, hey, how are you going to handle this SCR and this, you know, using DF on our GPS systems? And, you know, they just, uh, I got, well, 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 we're going to, you know, there's no straight answer, you know. And I'm going, I am literally intimidated. But what do I do? So I came back and I started looking into alternative fuel. My current um, preferred vendor uh, didn't provide alternative fuel. Um, there was two out of the big three out here that were just getting into it. One of them that I had to go see my buddy and, and admit that I was wrong, that I would never buy from him. So there was a little involved. But, you know, I, I, I reached out to them and I went and experienced their product. So what drove the decision was one experiencing what DEF, DPF, SCR, what that what that meant. Um, number two, uh, what kind of drove it is all of a sudden you start looking at the cost, right? So at that time, and again, this is this is nearly ten years ago. Um, at that time, if if diesel was three dollars a gallon, propane was about a buck sixty eight. Then I had a fifty cent reimbursement on my tax for every gallon used at the end of that year. So, I mean, I mean, look at the, we're down to almost 33% of the cost of fuel. Now, what I will say is this, and I know sitting here with the Roush guys, they're probably going to love this. You know, if you're not getting nine and a half, ten and a half miles to the gallon, that's just what it says on the flyer. Because what I will say about propane, we found out instantly and certainly may have changed over time. So don't let me discredit anything. Um, is just like a gas, like if you've ever driven, just for the people listening, if you've ever driven a, your pickup truck and took a trailer behind it in a gas you know, pickup truck, you know that you cut your gas mileage, miles per gallon down to about half. I mean, it may pull that trailer, but it cuts it down to about half. And when you drive that, you have to roll into the accelerator. You have to let the, the transmission do its job. Well, you get a bunch of people, you get a, a, your fleet of drivers who's used to driving diesel that just mash that pedal down and go. That is the worst thing you can do, you know, with propane because you're not going to get any advantage out of it. It's not going to get up and, and quite frankly, nor does your diesel. It just makes a bunch of noise and huffs and puffs, you know. But the reality is this. What we found out is in my average scenario, I'm averaging about six and a half miles to the gallon, right? And that's average. So I got some that are getting closer to eight, nine miles a gallon in some cases. And I've even had some that were getting four and a half. So let's around six miles a gallon. Well, that was straight across the board, really, almost even with what I was getting in diesel, four and a half to six miles a gallon. And I'm getting it at a net of about a buck a gallon. Okay, so I mean, so let's just take that math right there. Every gallon used, you know, I mean, Unbelievable, right? Awesome. You take the engine itself, right? And, and Adam, correct me with any of my facts, please, when you get them. <laughs> no, you're spot on, man. I think what you're hitting home, Eric, is that it's really it's something for everybody, right? I mean, you you're looking at it from a cost savings and an operational standpoint, where other people might be environmental standpoint. I mean, it's it really just hits a lot of different boxes, and it's it it's going to be something different for everybody. I mean, no two fleets are the same. Well, and I can also tell you this. Here I am working for a guy who was known. He was one of the guys that brought CNG in, right? So my business manager had a successful launch of CNG at his prior district in a prior life. And he's like, you're going to be the guy to bring in CNG. And I refused. Um, And I told him I didn't want to do CNG. I didn't want to 
dollars, you know, to do a, a plant and bring fuel in an individual posts out in the middle of my yard. I wanted a very relative to what my people did the day before answer. Um, and so what propane offered for me was this, I mean, this is the thing of beauty. I get so excited when I talk about this and I hope I get to do this project again. So what we ended up doing is uh, uh, we ended up um, bringing in, we worked with Mike Leptuck over at Ferro Gas. He was the guy that provided our propane. Um, we ended up leasing our tank from him, um, building our fueling station, which was pretty simple. When you need a footprint, we didn't choose to go underground out of the gate. That was the, the down the road answer. Um, we then had the fire marshal turn down our large tanks. We had to split into two small tanks instead of one large because it was up against a two-story concrete wall, throw some Jersey barriers, barriers around it. You know, you got to have a, some, some uh, barrier between your, your tanks and, and whatever, you know, any traffic. Threw some Jersey barriers. They're super cheap, I found out. Heavy, but cheap. Threw some of those up. And then literally uh, spent about sixty-five, seventy-five, sixty-five $65,000, $68,000 to add another dispenser out at the pump. You know, trenched over to it, um, tied that into our fuel management system. So I was able to pull fuel uses just like I was diesel and gas, which was a beautiful thing. So it tied into my fuel management system, changed nothing there. And then literally I was able to go out and sell this project that as a driver, the only difference when you fuel your bus, you're going to swipe your card, do your fob. You're going to go over it, is turning the thing and twisting it onto the fuel nozzle. Mm -hmm. Instead of just sticking in the hole, you turn the nozzle. Yeah, yeah, Eric, and you, you don't even have to do my that driver. anymore. Well, I'm really? just saying that was the difference to my driver, right? I yeah. mean, that's what you got to do. And you got to wait about uh, 10 to 15 seconds after you turn the key for the thing to self-check and start. You know, prime the system, bring the fuel up, which was different because I had two other guys, Clean Fuel USA. And, uh, God, I'm trying to think of who provided for Zuzu. It was the same guys that did Schwann. Um, but one was off a door switch. It took a signal off the door switch. That was the Azuzu, Azuzu model by the time the driver sat down. The other guy, um, he, he looked for a variance in amperage. So that, like that door opening and light coming on, then it would charge the thing. That turned out not to work so well because we have video cameras and all this mm. that were on and off and motion detectors that were setting people, uh, <laughs> we were charging the fuel system throughout the entire weekend. And uh, so we had to reprogram those, which they did. And they did wonderful. They flew out and did that. But um, in the Roush setup, it was really on the turn of the key um, and, a, and a twist of the uh, nozzle when they when they fueled. And then the thing that I made the decision on too, just because I do what I do, you know, there was a three horsepower pump, a five horsepower pump. And there was a story that elusively of a 10 horsepower pump out there somewhere. <laughs> me being me, you know, Tim Taylor, little tool time. Ur, ur, ur. You know, I had to. <laughs> I can tell you, my propane buses filled faster than my diesel buses. So, any argument that, oh, I got to sit out the thing and wait at the fuel? No, not at our place. Now, the hose went quite rigid when you started <laughs> pumping, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, you pumped faster than you, you filled your tank faster than you did diesel. So really, that's what led us there was like looking at it overall is, is my goal was to avoid DF at all costs. My avoid was to my, my effort was to avoid 
new diesel as it stood. You know, um, nobody could tell me how one manufacturer told me they were going to use no liquid DEF, that it would literally be a solid block that was set inside the tailpipe. And you just change that out every so many months. Man, there was, that was a wild um, time in transportation. There was a lot yeah, of, there was a lot of be, stuff flying around. <laughs> that didn't come. Well, that came from the horse. I was at a big show and this was a high guy <laughs> company. And that didn't turn out to be true. Matter of fact, they didn't have an engine the next year. At all. <laughs> so that was, oh, you know, it didn't work out. But regardless, what I'm saying is those are the things that led me there is I, I really felt that if we could save money, and we could we could make this green theme. We could go out and sell to our community that we were part of this green you know movement. Um, we we were conscious of that effort. You know, being a yard in the middle of a neighborhood with tons and tons of buses, um, I didn't see where we could possibly go wrong. And I will so tell you, between Mike Leptuck and Farrell, uh, Brad Bochamp, um, you know, uh, all the guys at Canyon State that that were involved in that project. You know, we were able to go out and really sell this wonderful idea that we were going down, not just to our drivers, but to our, our public. And it was a great movement. Jason, I know you're about being part of the community. I mean, this is something that, you know, one of the newspapers, one of that, and then look at this effort and the a yard around the corner is no longer putting out X amount of pounds, you know, of, of, of diesel emissions. So, I mean, honestly, for me now, I will say, Again, susceptible to driver behavior, but truly, as long as I don't blow out what I'm getting in my diesel, I'm still ahead. Even if I can't change that driver's habit, I'm still ahead. And if you change driver's habits, you're getting more miles per gallon and you're getting it at a less, less cost sure. and green. I mean, far greener, far, far greener. Is that a, can you say far, far green? <laughs> Pick it up with you your know, lane so, you know, yeah, I, I, just, I thought it was here. Cool. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that was it. That was it. I just thought it was cool. That was my I, 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 I love, I love the, the foundation of, you know, uh, it making, you know, sense from a financial standpoint. Um, but then listening to your drivers and really a lot of people force stuff on people, but you know, you, the level of detail you even went into on your infrastructure and how your drivers fuel and the starting is it, I mean, I, I, that, that just speaks volumes of, of the research, and I wish more people would apply that to, to the job. Um, and, you know, I, I think we're getting there. But uh, the driver aspect is something the past two years I've been very passionate about. I love it all, but, but hearing the stories from the driver, first of all, I don't think I've ever met one who's excited for change from a driver's perspective, right? Not, not one. I, we had one story. It's in northern Minnesota, rural school district, and – we did driver uh, training, and, and when we got there, uh, her name was Kathy. Just, I mean, she basically was was protesting every bit, saying, "I'm going to quit, I'm going to leave this, that, and the other." And you know, the driver was saying, "Please," or the transportation director was saying, "Please give it a chance, give it a chance." We went through the training. She went really quiet, and that was it. A year later, we did a follow up, and I said, "Hey, you know, is Kathy still here?" And he goes, "Yeah, she. Oh, here she comes." He had one of those offices where you could see when the drivers come in. He goes, "Watch this," and I was like, "Okay." He walks, she walks in and he goes, hey, Kathy, real quick, we're going to move you from bus 18 to bus two uh, for the rest of the year. Are, are you good with that? And it was wintertime. She throws her keys on the desk and she goes, if you take me out of my propane bus, I quit right here and now. And so it was just so cool to see, you know, her, her change of mind. She goes, I'm warmer, you know, in the mornings. And Minnesota gets cold, right? 
And she, uh, she says, I, I have better get up and go. So I'm not bullied on the highways and getting on the exit ramps and on the streets. She goes, so believe it or not, you know, it's a safety, you know, concern, timing the turbo and all that. And she goes, um, I can hear everything. She's like, I drive, I've been driving for 10, 15 years. She's like, it, it's my office. And, and having that, that quality of, of life right here where the engine is, she goes, it's so nice to be able to, to hear that. And uh, my favorite driver's story ever is, is probably in Minnesota, or not Minnesota, Indiana, right outside Indianapolis, really large school district. And they've been adopting it. There were well over 100 now probe, and they've been adopting it for a while. And they had one of those drivers. I'm sure you both know one or have one. They drove this set of parents, then this parent's kids, and then this kid's kid. I mean, the 30-year drive. I mean, and like the, the biggest heart, the biggest throne room in heaven is waiting for them, right? Just truly passionate for, for the kids and, uh, and loves it. Driver of the year for 10 years running, whatever. Well, she starts having these uh, asthmatic symptoms and, and lung uh, problems with her breathing. And, and she's, she's a little bit up there with, with age and she's been driving for 30 years and it's a two big lots. There's one lot, you know, that's across the street and then one lot here. And their pre-check is they go in, they start the bus, it idles, it sits. And there's a lot of these buses that do that. The drivers are doing this pre-check around. Well, she went to her pulmonologist that long story short, you're going to have to stop driving. And it was crushing her. She's like, no. And of course, transportation director is like, I, I need every driver I can. Like, this is so sad. Like, so they said, well, what if we move all of our propane buses to this lot across the street, keep our, our existing diesels here. And we take this driver over there and, you know, see her in a week. And the doctor says, okay, I'll give you that. It's not that, my, that it's still mild. Um, we'll try it and we'll see what happens. Once they did, her symptoms completely went away. And she was able to drive for two more years with no problems and then retired when she wanted to on her time. And it was so powerful to be able to see one. I didn't know that diesel really could do that when it sits and idles, especially in a yard and the, and the yard was not really fit. fit right. And uh, seeing what, what propane could do just for the quality of life of, of one driver. And man, if anything has taught us, you know, 2020 drivers are definitely essential and uh, hanging on to them. is is, is going to be uh the goal so well, not, not only drivers but what about you know your technicians uh, any did either you eric or have you guys heard of anybody that have uh, maybe been a little reluctant to embrace propane into the fleet and you know to work on them i know adam you talked that it is a gasoline engine so i would assume a little bit easier to work on than diesel buses but just you know real quick like what is available like do we have to send it to a dealership to get to get worked on or can they actually do the work? Is there some type of training that's out there available to get them up to speed with what they need to know? Yeah, we, I mean, that, that is the one thing that uh, another thing we haven't really talked about. That's a real benefit to propane and gasoline is it's so much easier to find uh, mechanics and technicians that know how to work on gasoline engines than it is to find that know how to work on these newer diesels. I mean, you really have to have some specialized tooling, specialized training to work on these new diesel engines because of the emission systems. And, and really, you know, on the gasoline side, it's, it's a pretty simple thing that a lot of folks, you can hire somebody out of a car dealership, you know, um, so, but as far as what we offer at Roush, we, we really, and this is one thing I, I love about Roush clean tech that, that really turned me off about a lot of the other companies in this industry. Um, you know, you can go to our website and download our diagnostic software for free. We don't charge for it. You know, it, it Cummins, Detroit diesel, even, even, you know, if you go and get, uh, from any, any engine builder is going to charge you about a thousand dollars a year to just diagnose the codes, the trouble codes on an engine. 
you know, so um, we, we give it away. You can go to roushcleantech.com. You can download the diagnostic tool for free. Um, we give away our training. This is something that a lot of people don't do. Uh, you know, if you want to get certified to work on a Cummins ISB 6.7, it's going to cost you several thousand dollars. Um, you know, we do free online training. Again, roushcleantech.com. You can sign up for free online training. Even if you're just curious about propane and gasoline systems and you want to go and get a closer look at what these things are made of, uh, you can go and sign up for the free online training, you know, so um, you can always come to Livonia. Once we get past this, this weird COVID lifestyle we're all living, you know, we do hands-on training. Um, you know, we, we offer on-site training. We do workshops, you know, a couple times a year where we go out and do different things with dealerships. I know we've, you know, we've done that with Canyon State. Um, so it's one thing that I, I really think sets us apart and, and really, you know, that's where the partnership with Bluebird is really a great thing because we're able to offer so much at no cost. Whereas, you know, I think people in this industry and transportation professionals are just used to getting nickel and dimed, you know, it's, and just from a, you know, the, the fact that you have to pay a thousand dollars just to clear a a fault code, to clear a check engine light from a bus. Um, I, I just, you know, I don't agree with that, but it's the way the industry is. Um, you don't always have to take it to the dealership. If you need a warranty repair, the nice thing about us being partnered with Ford is, uh, you can take these buses to, uh, you know, this is a Ford OEM product. So you can take it to a Ford dealership to get warranty work done. Um, you can take it to the bus dealership or you can, you can work on it in your own shop if you want. I mean, we, we have school districts that don't want to take their buses off site, So we pay them to do their own warranty work. Um, so there's just a whole different, a whole bunch of different options available. I think, uh, yeah. you know, we try to be flexible. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Adam, the having districts and customers tell us it's so nice to pull from a larger, um, group now, because especially some of these urban areas where, you know, people are competing for, you know, uh, diesel technicians, um, that have the experience, you know, that are up to date on all their trainings and everything. It's so nice to be able to pull someone uh, that has, you know, basic automotive, you know, gas park ignited and, and, and who doesn't know who Ford Motor Company is, right? Um, and uh, it's much, much easier for them because sometimes, you know, they'll pay for all their, you know, certifications and their training and then they'll leave and they'll go to someone who can pay them just a little bit more. And so this gives flexibility to the technical side and the uh, mechanic side too. Sure. You know, to answer your question, uh, Jason, from a customer standpoint, absolute apprehension. <laughs> In honestly, absolute apprehension. You're going to find very few mechanics that go, oh, boy, I am <laughs> excited to jump into this. You know, <laughs> one out of five maybe that say, hey, the more I know, the better. You know what I mean? I know this is out there and this is an opportunity for me. But are you, are you going to run into apprehension? Oh, absolutely. Now, I was very fortunate, and I imagine they replaced him. When Brad Beauchamp was with, excuse me, was it Mike Broad? No, 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 it's Brad. Brad Bochamp. Brad Bochamp. When he was with Roush, that guy came out and not only did he train our technicians, but he instilled this level of confidence and this level of, I mean, he wiped all fear away. I mean, it, it, I mean, I mean, my guys came out of that. It was about four days. You know, we were doing it after the morning round, you know, like we so many hours a day because, you know, the mechanics got to turn a wrench too. Um, so we took it over about four days. And uh, they came out of there excited to have the opportunity and excited to support it and excited to be one of very few back in that day that had that skill set or that knowledge base. 
Um, but I, I would be lying to you if I said they were all like, what, Eric? Oh, propane, all this sounds cool, man. Thanks for putting you know, that real diesel on mechanics, it. Very proud diesel mechanics, right? Yeah, sure. um, but I'll tell you, when they find out, you know, you're basically dealing with like a 6.8 V10 gas engine that's got like three three parts that are changed from that gas engine. If I'm One's hardened valves. And that's one thing I want to touch on, Jason. You know, I am not an advocate for um, retrofitting gas engines to propane. Um, I think that's the 1984 thing that everybody, you know, you add that sleeve between the throttle body and the engine and you throw a tank in the back and you subsidize the gas with propane. And that's where we had tanks falling out of the the barbecue straps they put on there. We, um, you know, uh, this air fuel mixture that's thrown out they let it run out of propane and then it ruined my engine and all it is is like putting a high-rise manifold on your gas engine their fuel mixture isn't right now it's not running right because you're not injecting propane i i'm not a big advocate for for retrofitting your gas engines to propane but oem propane out of the gate you know we're now liquid introduced right or inducted in uh, help me with that you're right you're right Yep, liquid injected, maybe. Yeah, back injected, thank you. In 1984, what my superintendent here remembered, they used to take the propane up into a box, shake it up into a gas, and try to inject it into the engine. And now vibration, temperature, uh, the incline of the bus, all those things affected that thing tremendously. So whether you're in a hot climate, cold climate, on a hill, downhill, all those things affected it. That's 1984, people. That didn't, nowadays, it's, it's injected as a liquid, no different than your gas through an injector. I mean, you literally have about 20 different parts, 21, I think, was the cell, different parts in the entire system, three internal parts, which I, I is it push rods, valves, and something else? There's like very few different parts, you know, but key <clears throat> to the success because it has a higher BTU. I mean, it, it actually, or excuse me, a higher octane rating. And that's another thing. You've got you've to regulate your ECU to talk to your transmission because we've got a, a, a much more efficient combustion now. You know, yeah. and it's very important that those two are dialed together, that those things, and, and retrofitting is not the answer. I, I'm, not a, I'm not an advocate for that. I'm an advocate for OEM, you know, uh, this bus, this this engine was made to be propane. I just want to clear that up because when you say propane, good, you know, diesel, bad, or whatever, it's not sure. simple. But not. I mean, the OEM aspect is important. I am so glad that you said that and not me or Adam. Um, obviously, I used to be on the aftermarket side. And you know what? I, I get pretty fired up about it because. A lot of times, and I tell this, you know, to a, a lot of the, uh, you know, Bluebird dealer sales reps, new ones that come on board and even people at Roush, we have, and especially the fuel suppliers, because they just salivate at any gallon they could get, no matter how it gets on there or what Uncle Chuck with the truck system goes on, right? <laughs> we have, we have one shot at this, okay? So, I, unfortunately, I have seen, um, even in the OEM space, but especially in the aftermarket world, whether it's paratransit uh, a Fortune 500 fleet, a, a local municipality, and unfortunately, even a school bus uh, district, school district, where they've gone with the, the, the we're going to save the money, we're going to do an aftermarket system. And had we not been 
right there saying, if this doesn't work out, please let us know. This is not propane's propane's propane. I mean, it's not a system's a system, a bus is a bus. Like they're, And I've seen it happen so many times, dozens of times to where if we weren't there, I had a transportation director tell me, you know what, Derek, I would have not only, this failed so miserably with aftermarket that um, I would have not only never done propane, but I would have been proactively telling everyone in my association and in my state, never look at propane had we not immediately done a pilot, you know, with Roush to do, okay, we'll try it one more time. And uh, so I'm glad to hear you say that because I mean, we, the tens of millions of dollars that we invest and a lot of people are like, why is it, you know, why is Roush, you know, you know, it should be $30,000 less than a diesel or $10,000. And it's like, well, you know, come to Roush and, and we'll show you, right. I mean, it's, it's not a carburetor world anymore. I mean, it's not, this is not in a bag. Any phone. I'm looking at my phone. Sorry. This isn't, a, <laughs> now this, this, this cell phone, right. It's not a bag phone anymore. I mean, there's, there's a, there's control modules, there's optimizations, there's a dry gas versus, you know, naturally lubricated gasoline. I mean, they're two completely different worlds and having, you know, not just the components and the, the, the alloys and the parts, but having the electronic modules to be able to have that engine run with it. it I'm such a fan of propane that I hate to see it get wasted on lazy engineering and, and rush to market technology. So that right there made my week. Thank you. <laughs> and one other footnote, seven quarts of oil. Right, yep. seven quarts of oil at your oil change versus yep. what, 21, 22 quarts in your diesel. Right. Yeah, it's uh. You know, I mean, yeah, seven, seven quarts of oil. Yeah. So just take that's three buses. You know I mean, every time I, I mean that there's little things like that that we don't account for as yeah. well. That well, it all adds um, up. But like yeah, like you know, like I mean, said. honestly, I still think a blended fleet is is necessary in some areas and some applications. Right. I mean. If we say, okay, we're going to take propane, I got a big travel bus, where am I going to fill it? Right. I mean, it's going to take, you know, 45 minutes if I do it at the local yokel, you know, grab a hook on at the Chevron out at the propane out there. You, that's not the system to fill that. So you may need travel buses or, or you have some other applications. I've never had these guys lie to me, you know, during that process and tell me, hey, this is a fix-all, end-all, be-all. But I'll tell you what, most of us run around our neighborhoods the biggest inclines going in and out of the parking lot. And I know that that's here in Arizona, right? I know that's sure. not everywhere. And there's parts of Arizona that's not true. And you're going to have some experiences where it didn't work out in those environments. So you, know, you do have to consider all the above. And I think that's true for all alternative methods. Um, yeah. But man, a lot of us in that Metro Phoenix, that Metro, that Valley area. I mean, I know Jason, I, I think your fleet is, Nearly, we're, yeah, we're 110, 110 that we're running propane. So, yeah, I'm like trying to sell Jason. Like, yeah. Jason's like, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah. I'm bored. No, and I, I mean, I agree. Yeah. I mean, we're that was that was the whole you know, we wanted to go to. I think our big thing was the whole cost side of it, the, the that rebate that we were getting from the federal government. The you know, so that was at one point putting our price per gallon around like 60 cents a gallon, something like that. So, you know, when you're looking at that comparative to three, I think at the time when I first got here, three and three and some change for, for diesel as it was climbing and climbing, um, you know, those were the things that, 
we were going that route. But again, I still have diesel on my fleet because I have routes that necessarily I need an 84 passenger bus to handle some of these, you know, populated routes. They don't make that option for a transit style bus yet. So, um, you know, we have to, we work around yeah. it. We don't do a lot of trips out of town, but we did, we did out outfit some just to go out of town. If we had to go, you know, shag a trip for, uh, what about know. this, Jason, what size is your tank then that you're holding? Uh, so our conventionals are hundred gallon, and then I think no, no, no. I mean oh, your tank. Where oh, we fill, where sixteen thousand, sixteen thousand gallon tank. Okay, see, then that's oh. another key too. If you can consider and take a full load of propane, yep. The consideration for taking a full load is like thirty, forty cents a gallon. Yeah. Yeah, so if we you, get it right from the wholesaler instead of a retailer. So and I think is, that's twelve thousand gallons, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think it's. Yeah, I mean, the whole, like I said, the whole process has been pretty awesome. I came in kind of in the first third, the initial third of us making that transition. But, um, you know, and there was, to talk about the driver hesitation, there was that driver hesitation about, ooh, I'm not really sure. They all wanted their diesel buses, but honestly... These buses move. When you talk about, I mean, how snappy they are compared to a diesel bus. When you talk about how quiet they are, when you, I mean, down here in the valley, it's 120 degrees in a bus, and we're running air conditioning, can't hear your kids. Well, now you don't have to worry about hearing over that diesel engine either. So, um, you know, just the longevity yep. of them. I mean, you know, we've we've had our bugs here and there, just like any vehicle that you're going to purchase in the initial phases of it. But, um, you know, I think buses at this point have been out on market since 2012. When was the first propane bus that came out from Roush? February 12th of 2012. Okay. So, you know, we're almost into, you know, almost 10 years, if you want to say of, of this new technology. So I, I mean, I think that's a test, a true Testament that this, this product works, right? I mean, when you talk about what happened back in the 80s or even the the um, natural compressed natural gas really isn't a sustainable option that you see a lot of people using. So I think yeah. those are all positives of what the liquid propane autogas is doing and how, you know, as long as you're doing it, like what Eric said, as an OEM product from the dealership and not trying to aftermarket something, um, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and like you said, it, for some people, it doesn't. And I, I know in California, they've got a lot of grants out there for electric vehicles. That bus is a 400 grand, right? I mean, that's a that's a hard that's a hard sell, at least here in the valley, where we're not coughing up 400,000. That's four buses, you know, potentially well, depending on what you're trying something to Something to remember with the electric vehicles. I mean, there were, we're, we were at eight years ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're still in the first generation of these things. So sure. that, that's something to consider. I mean, Derek yeah. and I have it easy. I mean, we don't, it's not our job to sell you a bus. I mean, we, we manufacture an engine and a fuel system. You know, our customer is Bluebird. Sure. So we just go out, we educate, we talk yeah. to people like we're talking today. I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't try to sell anything. I mean, do we want you to use propane? Yeah. We think it's a great solution. We think it'll solve a lot of problems, but that's a nice thing. We go out, we talk to people, we deliver, we deliver education and, and let you make your own decision. I right. mean, I think it's the fact that we put so many vehicles on the road in such a short amount of time really speaks, you know, it, it speaks volumes about what the we're only, doing. The only way that that happens is, is uh, the sales cycle becoming so short. I mean, 19 of the top 25 school bus markets are running propane. Every single state has propane now. And, you guys are all talking to each other and, yeah. and that's what's really happening. I mean, everyone's feeling the pain points and, you know, thanks to social media, Facebook forums, groups, associations, telephone um, saying, hi, I mean, everyone's asking, you know, what works and doesn't work. And 
Now, in today's world where electric, diesel, gasoline, CNG, propane are all on the table, um, you know, having a partner like Bluebird that offers all of those, it's more of a consultative approach that we're seeing now. Um, you know, and, and in a lot of cases, we're seeing fleets that, you know, yeah, propane is, is the lowest cost of ownership, but we've got long trips and, you know, maybe 10% of our fleet is going to be gas. And so you have the exact same partners, Roush, Ford, Bluebird, exact same powertrain, engine transmission, and you have the exact same uh, horsepower and torque. So a driver, it's not like you have to retrain for a diesel to a gas to a propane. The gas yeah. and the propane are going to be identical. And it just keeps all parts on the shelf consistent um, across, you know, especially the large fleets sure. like, like you guys have. And, uh, and the range coming from the fueling industry, you know, seeing these buses being built in Fort Valley and driven to California or driven to Maine or driven to, you know, uh, Quebec um, is just a, a testament. Thanks to the, you know, the apps with the fueling stations and, and seeing in Minnesota. Now I saw that districts are letting uh, buses fuel up at each other. So like for a trip and for a football game, they'll go all the other side of the state. Yeah, just bill me, for it, bill me for it. And that, that I mean, yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense, you know, so, but exactly. uh, anyways, we ran a little long, but uh, I, like I said, I appreciate all of your guys time and, um, just real quick, we'll just wrap it up. Uh, I'll start with Adam. Final thoughts on just the, the show and and what we talked about today. Well, I, I think uh, great discussion. I mean, I've had I, I really appreciate the invite. I think what you're doing, Jason, is is much needed in this industry as far as from a from an idea uh, sharing standpoint. You know, there's there's lots of online forums out there, but I think you know having these things like podcasts and and uh, you know just getting the word out on on what people are doing in different parts of the country and the new technology that's coming out. I mean. I really envy, um, you know, what, what, what you and Eric do, uh, every day, you know, for things that you talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great industry and it's, it's the reason I've been in it my whole life. And, and I probably will for the, you know, for my whole career, but I think there's just so much changing. I mean, with camera systems, with student tracking, with GPS systems, with fuel systems, I mean, uh, you guys, you guys have a full plate right now and a lot of decisions yeah. to make. So, um, you know, wish you the best of luck and, and I hope we can help you where we can. Awesome. Derek. Yeah, I'll save the best for last for Eric. So, uh, first of all, thank you. I echo what Adam said. I'm a big podcast guy. I, I love these. I think these are the best way to connect, uh, going forward. And especially in, in the season of COVID where everyone's been social distance, but even outside of that, I think more and more people are turning off the music and on, on drives and on flights and on just idle time. They listen to these. And, uh, and I, I encourage you, hammer down, press on and, and get as, as many best practices, as many Eric's, you know, as you can. Um, so people can, you know, hear, you know, lifetime experiences. And uh, at Roush, we're just real, we're so happy to, to have you guys be pioneers and jumping out on these ledges so many years ago and being rewarded for it so uh very very much appreciate it thanks for putting this together you're welcome and eric final thoughts hey i'll just merely say this man i i, I am truly blessed man i i to spend the hour hour and a half with you guys was uh fantastic i mean i, I trust me i could do another hour i think you guys Easy. <laughs> and, and we can i mean we can there's nothing stopping us that we could you know we could we could certainly come back in a, in a few episodes and and retouch on anything that we missed or just even something in, in complete different you know i mean you all have something that offer student transportation so well, well just I, tell I, you I, I certainly, certainly want to say jason man thank you so much man you've been a pioneer in our industry certainly in our area for sure i can for sure 
that. Um, and every time I'm around, I'm around you, I'm impressed, man. I mean, uh, just the idea to put this together, this is my first. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever listened to a podcast. I'm going to start trying, yeah. I guess. But, um, no, I just want to tell you thank you for the idea and yeah. bringing everybody together. Adam, great to see you again, man. I mean, I remember seeing you when you were here in town. And, Derek, it was wonderful to meet you. Uh, the only thing we didn't touch on, I'll go offline. I want to hear about this 7.5 that's coming uh, because Ed mentioned uh, the 6.8 is going to a 7.5. So I'm a little excited to hear about that. So. He was he was this close, this close. It's uh, 7.3 7. Uh, V8. Well, what's it, your boss, dude. That's all. I mean, it was just, <laughs> I guess not me interpreting, I'm sure. You're gonna you're gonna get us in trouble, Eric. We gotta. That's gonna have to be uh, Roush Clean Tech. Uh, hey, bus driver podcast yeah. two point oh part gotta... two. So you guys, you guys, uh, let me know when you're when you're allowed to talk about it, and we'll we'll go. If, that uh, if this is top two being re- recorded, it's uh, it's our commercial lineup. Is probably what he's trying to get you excited about our uh, our F seven fifties, right? Our, uh... No, I I will say I will say as as we enter our generation five, right? As we enter uh, this this next year. Let me just say this, the the best is yet to come. We've got some exciting stuff. We are going to be downshifting into some fun speeds. I tell you what, what that's one of the beautiful things at Roush is we're always moving. There is something always, Jack and, and Evan and Doug and Dean, our management, they're investing tens of millions into, you know, based off feedback, based off trends, based off what's, and uh, we're pretty excited for what's to come. I think Adam and I are, are in for a fun, fun haul and, we're excited to see what people like you guys think in the future. That's one we're nicer gonna, buses than Jason. <laughs> we're gonna bring That's the heat to this. Yeah, next year, next year we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna bring some exciting stuff next year. I mean, we did. You're gonna, gonna be, just have yeah. to unplug this thing, man. Yeah. I'm serious. No, it's not. It's a Friday. Yeah. It's a Friday. Well, that's why I said, I mean, there's no, it's it's not recorded video, so what you guys choose to drink is on you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Adam, we've had a blast. Yeah, where can uh, people find uh, you or a little bit more at Roush? And just website would be fine. Yeah, Roush, RoushCleanTech.com. So, Got it. And they uh, can search Adam videos. or Derek and they'll get to you if they want to uh, know more about it. Yep. So, 10-4. right on. Thank you again, everybody. I know we went a little long, but uh, hopefully there's some good, valuable information for those that want to know more about uh, propane autogas. So, again, thank you. And uh, until then, be safe and we'll see everybody next time. Thank you. See you guys. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off. <laughs>